Hello good people of the internet, Hugh here from the Please Watch This Podcast. Uh, just a quick disclaimer here uh, before we start this week's episode. Um, you may notice that the audio quality on this week's episode is not that great. That's because we had Ben Dawson, Sam's mate uh, from back in the day as they say. Uh, he was came, came on to the pod to talk about The Shining. Um, you may find that the audio levels are a bit all over the place in this week's episode. Uh, but in order to save me a uh, thousand and one hours of editing... We decided to throw it all together and hope for the best, so enjoy. Bye. Hello and welcome to Please Watch This Podcast, where two film-loving mates with gaps in their viewing history recommend films to one another so they can once and for all answer the question, who has better taste? My name's Sam Blakely, I'm joined as always by Hugh Dempsey. Hello, Hugh. Hi, Sam. How are you? Very well. Yeah, I'm feeling good. Um, we're also joined by a, another person, uh, a guest star for this week, and that's Ben Dawson. Hello, Ben. Hello, Sam. Hello, Hugh. Thank you for having me. Hi. It's our pleasure. So, Sam, do you want to explain who Ben is to you? Ben is an award-winning, um, well, he's like a primary school, I'm sure he won awards. He's a friend of mine <laughs> who knows films more than I do. And um, he's come on to help me with this week's film. It's um, a film with a lot of mythology, and uh, I need his help. Sounds about right. And I said, "What is this week's film?" Oh, this week's film. This week's film is the 1980 uh, horror thriller classic, *The Shining*, starring Jack Nicholson and a bunch of other great people. Um, and uh, as I say, I've got Ben on. To, he knows more about it. Before we get into this week's film, I thought we'd just introduce the listener to our friend Ben briefly. So tell us about your film history. You know, where are you with film? What kind of films do you love? Tell us about it. Well, I've never really studied it or anything like that, but I've always been I've always been a big film fan. I think mainly when I was young, uh, I had a job at a restaurant with a, a guy who was big into films, and he really got me like interested in directors and all that sort of thing and different themes, and would tell me all the films to watch and. Yeah, so I just, I, I don't know how to explain it really, because I wouldn't, if someone isn't into films or doesn't like films, I, I wouldn't just, I, I wouldn't understand why. It's like any art, really. <laughs> I, mean, I, think, <laughs> I think anyone should be interested in it, like, so <laughs> um, I, just, I just find, them, I just, I guess escapism is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. But so uh, what would be your uh, favourite film, then, or what's your top five films, the ones that you <laughs> Well, again, yeah, I mean, again, I've always say my favourite my favorite film is The Thing. It's John Carpenter's version. Mainly because um, Two. It's, probably one, it's probably one of the first horror films I watched. Um, sorry, Hugh, what are you, you going to ask? Uh, no, I was just saying, was it 1982, The Thing, I think it was? Or is it 78? I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was 82, I think, and it was, a, it was a big year for film. Like It, it, it was... Uh, he didn't do very well when he first came out, apparently, which I, I, I can't understand why. Yeah. Um, I'm going to make but, a confession now. I've not actually seen it properly. Get in. Oh, yes, we can get that on a, on a future episode. Yeah. yeah. But I've, seen, I've yeah. seen the end of it on those uh, movie oh. shows. Yeah. <laughs> this it, is the problem with seminal films from 40 years ago. Everyone's seen the goddamn true. ending. It's true. <laughs> Empire Strikes Back had no surprises for me other than it was shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well. <laughs> so, so tell us about some of your other faves. Are you like a big horror fan, then, generally, Ben? 
I would describe. I would say horror is my favourite genre. Yes. Um, but I, like oh. I say, I'm I'm big into any genre really. Like, um, I I really want to big up films that I don't think get a good showing. Like, so I really like uh, uh, Japanese samurai films. I love nice. them from the 1950s and 60s. I, like uh, I don't think many people watch them. I'd say in my top five films is a film called Harry Kiri, and it's, oh, yeah. it's just. It's just a brilliant piece of storytelling. Like it's incredible, and not many people have watched it. Not many people I know have watched it. Um, do either of you two? Do either of you two ever get into this weird solipsistic delusion that your life is a film and other people are kind of <laughs> foils to your main protagonist? <laughs> in, uh, you know, in my <laughs> your uh, your delusions of grandeur here, Sam. And maybe I need to speak to a clinician. But in the film of my life. Ben is the Ben is the is the like friend who comes in and like gives you these films that you've never heard of and then like opens your mind to Argentinian cinema and uh, all this sort of stuff. So that's I appreciate that, Ben. Right. <laughs> I was once right. I was once flat you... flat sitting for Ben and he has a lot of DVDs and I was there for three weeks and I got a bit bored and then when he came back he taught me how to play the hard drive on his TV, and it was a terabyte hard drive. <laughs> so many more interesting films on there. <laughs> it's gutting. I got to take it when you said Argentinian films. You're referring to that wild thing. Specifically Wild, wild Tales. Wild yeah, Tales, yeah. that's a future film, episode. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, right. no, I can't say I do actually think of my life as a film. But I, do, I, am, a, I am a big daydreamer. I, am, I do daydream a lot. Right. Like the film... <laughs> um, Oh God, what's it called? Uh, Dancer in the Dark. Dance- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, like I mean, a musical. That's a depressing film. That is. <laughs> yeah, that is crushing. Absolutely crushing. That's, it's a bit too much for me. That was. <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned on a previous episode. I've never rewatched the Lars von Trier film, but they're all. Oh great. God. <laughs> Jesus oh, Christ. <laughs> I think the only ones I've watched are. I think I've seen Nymphomaniac One and Two. Obviously, tried to, tried <laughs> the to, sold it. <laughs> tried to watch Antichrist. I tried to watch Magnolia. Not Magnolia. Mm. What's it called? Um, melancholy. Melancholia. Melancholia. Yeah. And oh, I just couldn't get through. I literally watched the first like fifteen minutes of Antichrist, and then I think I watched about forty, fifty minutes of Melancholia. And when they start doing like the art house kind of thing, where they're dancing around on the the lawn, <laughs> different states, and yeah, it's. I can see why actors and performers like working with him because it's different to what they usually produce. But it's not. There's no. There was no storyline to it. It was just people <laughs> arguing, having a go at this woman for being a bit of an arse. You probably Dogville. didn't see <laughs> Dogville. Yeah, that's good. that's an interesting film. Yeah, I didn't know about Dogville too, though. Well, it's 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 three hours long, but uh, it's all done on a soundstage where there's no uh, buildings, so it's all just outlines of uh, of like uh, buildings, basically. So you're seeing something, some acting going on inside a house, but then um, you can just see everyone else on the soundstage, but they obviously aren't aren't aware of what's going on because it is like it's in a house but it's not <laughs> so it's like it's experimental very... theater but a oh, cinematic yeah, yeah, version sort of, of it yeah yeah it's quite an inter- quite an interesting story i, I agree with you Hugh. I, I i think the story is king i really love the film with a good story mm, um yeah 
But I do still like exper- some experimental films. Like I love I love David Lynch films. Yeah, um, not big on story. <laughs> not big on story, but I think I think why I like them is I love I love mystery films as well. Films where they've got some sort of hidden message or something where you have to figure out yourself. That don't treat the viewer like an idiot and just basically explain every single thing that's going on. Um, yeah, from 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 knowing you, the thing that I that I most associate you with films is immediately going on IMDb forum like chat boards to like yeah. figure out what did what the hell happened in that film. <laughs> and obviously, we've got a film this week that has a that has some ambiguity to it, and you know has been talked about for four decades now. Uh, just kind of trying to trying to figure out what happened. Well, so I, I think good a good idea. Oh, sorry, uh, go on. Well, I was just going to say I was gutted when IMDb closed the forums because <laughs> there was some good, yeah. interesting uh, talk on there. <laughs> For sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, toxic if, um, sorry, if I was talking <laughs> about my other favourite films, then yeah, I'd, uh, there's a few other films that I just want to highlight that I was thinking of. It would be uh, uh, Amadeus, I think, is a great film. Oh, Which I've never seen. seen oh, that's another one where I started watching it and couldn't get get to the end of it <laughs> Although, we're gonna we'll leave ben on regularly <laughs> to both of us films we haven't seen i feel really bad but i, I really like i kind of i like bits of it but i didn't like, like the tone oh, yeah. yeah the tone was all over the place like it really <laughs> like it really was it was like how am i supposed to believe that this like obviously genius then has such i didn't like the portrayal of mozart i think that was my problem with that film yeah how does it come across it, well, well, he. Yeah, go on, sorry, ben. Sorry, well, I was just going to say he's just, he's like a giggling idiot, like child, <laughs> like a genius. Yeah. I think it's it's definitely quirky and it's definitely stylized, and I, I don't think any of it's true at all. Salieri doesn't like you know <laughs> um, set him up and that sort of thing. I just yeah. I love the themes of it more, and and I mean it's the same guy who did One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, the director. But that's the thing; the themes don't seem to match with the the tone of the film like obviously for me Salieri is the more interesting character because he's this tortured man who thinks that he's uh you know done wrong by this once in a lifetime genius musician but well it's more it's, about he, he thinks god he thinks god is uh is a, a, not not Mozart himself yeah oh, fair enough again it, it's been a long time since I watched it but I was I got to the bit where I think they're doing the stage play and right. <laughs> I was like oh right I was kind of enjoying it at that point, but I, it was kind of meandering and not really going anywhere. And then it, yeah. had that, like I said, it had this huge swing and shift of tone to this really serious piece of work. And I was like, well, this doesn't match with what I've just watched. And there was no indications that this was about to throw. Um, and I just, I don't know. I think I, think I was watching it in the afternoon, so I think I ended up turning <laughs> Often doing having to do something else, to be honest. I think I tend, I, I do agree with you a bit on the tone of the film is a bit got all over yeah. the place, but I think it adds to that kind of uh, quirkiness to it. Whereas it, it has got a sense of humour and it is and it is funny. But, yeah, uh, yeah. I think I think what it is is it plays Mozart as like a this fun, stupid idiot who doesn't know how how what a genius it is, and then Salieri is this stuck up. Not very, um, sort of, uh, what's the word not I'm looking the for? He's, but he's just not, he, he wants to, he, he wants proof that he's amazing, doesn't he? And then there's, but if I think he's just jealous, basically. I think he's just, he's just jealous. 
But uh, yeah, to be honest. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, maybe we shouldn't discuss some of this. Future episodes. Other, yeah, I mean the other film I wanted to highlight as well was uh, Don't Look Now. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen that here. I know Sam hasn't. I haven't. No, um, I'm just trying to remember what it's about, if anything, because I've not seen it. I'm trying to remember who even's in it or anything. Uh, uh, it's uh, it's from the 1970s, and what I like about it is how subtle it is and how real it feels. I mean, it's a bit, again, it's a bit like Dance in the Dark. It's a really emotional film. Basically, um, there's a couple um, whose daughter dies at the start, and uh, they go to Venice, and um, they're trying to like rebuild the marriage, um, but. Um, these psychics um, basically tell the wife that um, they know they, you know, they've um, they've seen a daughter and she's happy, and the husband doesn't believe it and whatever. And but then the husband starts see, seeing uh, like a, a little a little girl in the distance in Venice, and she's wearing a red coat, which is what a daughter dies in. And all the way through this, while while this is happening, um, there's like murders going on in the background um like bodies are being pulled out of the rivers and stuff and it's 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 a really it's a really good film it's like it's what it's it really shows like a relationship between a husband and wife and it feels like an actual relationship and it's got a great twist at the end so i'd really i'd recommend that definitely See, that means that I won't watch it. I mean, ever ever <laughs> since my daughter was born, I, well, can't, I, thought this, I yeah. can't bear like any sort of pain towards any little thing or anything in the film. I'm so I'm so squeamish about that now. Yeah, yeah. and I think I think if if anything did happen, I would kind of give up on society and go live on a beach <laughs> somewhere and not uh, yeah. have any contact with people. I mean, like well, I say I couldn't begin to understand, but. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, this yeah. film really, really gets over the the pain of like losing a child, and it's uh, it's a very, very well made film. So it's a bit like Face Off. Is <laughs> <laughs> what you're no, saying. But I do love Face Off as well. <laughs> <laughs> I love that film. It's, it's the prequel that we didn't realise. <laughs> <laughs> should we uh, should we get into this week's film then? Yeah, yeah let's do it. All right, so I've got Ben on because he knows more about The Shining than I do, uh, but I do know some things as well. So what we're going to do is we're going to ceaselessly hammer home why The Shining's great and why we think Hugh might like it. Ben, do you want to kick us off on that? What's so good about The Shining? The thing about The Shining is that it's, it's nearly 40 years old and it, it still feels like, a, I'd say, a modern film. Yes. Like, it's, it's obviously, it's a psychological horror film, um, which I, I love, Um uh, I'd describe it as a 10 out of 10 film. Like, I think it's a, a, a complete film. I don't think there's any... You might disagree with me, but I don't think there's any bits in it where <laughs> I think this could be taken out. You know, why did you do this? I don't understand this bit. What um, what I love about it is basically... It, it's sort of such a simple story in a way. Like, I wouldn't describe it as complicated, but what, what Kubrick does is he adds subtle hints everywhere of things that might be going on and which sort of creates a mystery and it's got I mean it's got right from the start right from the start yeah exactly and it's so filled with tension and and like atmosphere which is so difficult to do if you watch any horror films it's probably one of the most difficult things to do is 
to create tension in a film and atmosphere. And uh, I just think anyone who's interested in that psychological or questioning our humanity and sort of wants to, like, I just think it's it's difficult to describe, really. It's, <laughs> like you say, the, the difficulty in creating atmosphere and tension, you do find yourself watching it, especially the second, third, fourth time you watch it, actually watching it almost like a film student thinking, what has he done there to make me feel really tense? You know, exactly. The sound track and the diegetic sound and the non-diegetic sound, film studies language coming out, um, really combine so well to make this this tension. And you're just never quite comfortable, are you? I think the score is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it adds so much to the film. Just the, as soon as, it, when the film comes on and then you get that opening music with the, the driving up, up, up the road, <laughs> you just straight away, you're like, what is this? It's so unique. I've never. I don't know. I don't really know another film like it. Really, that can sort of suck you into the film, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it and it does come down to having some songs, but sometimes the soundtrack and the background music is just like someone's just chucked some like crockery down a down the flight of stairs or something, and like, or it just really gets you, and it's at the right time that it it tries mm. to match what you're supposed to be feeling, and even even little things like. It's almost like the Law and Order uh, titles, you know, Tuesday, dun dun, and it's yeah. like, what the fuck? What? Why am I scared of Tuesdays? <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, one one bit in the movie where um, I think the score really comes across is like it's when uh, I think Danny's just been found the bruises, and mm. Wendy's telling Jack um, we need to leave. And then you can just hear this sort of heartbeat in the background. Yeah. And Jack is saying, you know, it's just typical. Like, why, you know, I, I, this is my job. I need to stay here. And it just feels like the <laughs> hotel has got its own heartbeat. And the hotel is basically a, a character in the film. That's a very good way of putting it, yeah. It's And Kubrick shot, shot it all on wide-angle lenses, and it, it feels massive. <laughs> Well, that's why, when you talked about it being so modern, it's so far away from so many conventions of jump scares. There are jump scares in it, in a way, but those wide-angle lenses are so different to, like, close-up on the the Mm. lady's face, and then she's going to walk backwards around the corner, and then, ah, you know, and Mm. it really manages to to make you jump. It plays very well with, like, that those jump scare conventions doesn't it like like you said it's what's around the corner well in this film it's showing you the entire space but there's yeah. still jump scares in it but know. it's still scary and i mean the the really artful thing is when wendy finds jack's uh what he's been working on uh which is just you know thousands and thousands of pages of all work and they're playing next jack and dull boy he doesn't jump out at her we as the audience actually see him waiting by a pillar yeah. Um, and then he goes over to it, and you know, a cheaper film, a less well done film, maybe an even more recent film, would have just had him pop out. When he does yeah. pop out and with the axe um, and and kills uh, Mr. Mallory, that's a genuine jump scare because you can see the whole frame jumps out from behind a pillar. You're not expecting it at all. No, well, this is uh, this is the thing as well. If you if you if you watch The Shining, what it does over in different horror films is it shows you the reactions of the character before it shows you the jump scare. Yes. Yeah. So I didn't it, know that was what I needed. <laughs> yeah. So, like, say for instance, when Danny's playing darts, 
you, yeah. it shows you Danny's reaction and you're like for about what, 10 what, seconds what's going on? <laughs> yeah and then it shows you the twin girls like no I don't know any other horror film that does that yeah um and you, it really puts you on edge like what has this kid seen like <laughs> especially also, Shelley Duvall's face like her teeth uh, and her eyes fight to have the most prominence on her face and <laughs> when she's scared especially when she's looking at the blood coming out the elevator yeah well you feel like she is genuinely terrified <laughs> yeah and I think she was she is genuinely terrified <laughs> Danny makes little boy um, yeah uh, he's just oh they, they, they he's that kid uh, how old was he when this film was made like I think he was like eight years old or something yeah he's, he looks yeah. I mean, That's he's the best actor in the film. Yeah. In, <laughs> well, in, my yeah, list actually... of, in my list of what I like, I've put um, the young Danny Lloyd doesn't ruin the film. And like a kid actor yeah. in a film can just really just undercut everything, can't they? Yeah, well, he does amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't know he was in a horror film. He, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't tell, Kubrick didn't tell him that he was in a horror film and he, he didn't know until he watched the film. Uh, a lot, a lot, a lot later, he is later. He was in a horror film. <laughs> The um, the scene where she's carrying him out when he's got the bruise on his neck that was a life size dummy so he didn't yeah. know that that was in the you know it's so well done mm-hmm. and like you wonder what what he, what Stanley Kubrick told him like now look scared like yeah. I don't know there's a big spider yeah. when actually it's you know two brutally murdered young girls <laughs> yeah. yeah I did wonder I did wonder I was sat thinking to myself going yeah I know Kubrick could and you know was famous for kind of you know, going over the limits sometimes with his actors, you know, Shelley Duvall in this film was pushed to a limit apparently in the bathroom scene and fell out with him at one point. Um, and I was like, well, what is he doing to get the reaction from Danny? You know, is this, <laughs> is how, you know, we wouldn't be allowed to do this in cinema nowadays. There'd be two, there's for good reason, like laws to protect Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thing, yeah. But it makes for some of the best scenes in the film when you see him reacting to things and, when he's laid in the bed and he's got the face, you know, that's of what he can see and what... Yeah, the mm. sideways shot. That's really oh, yeah. monstrous, that, that shot. It it probably looks weird. It probably looks like hokey if it was just him face up, but because his head's on the... His face is on the side. There's some, some, mm. That does something, and it, it was genuinely creepy, that. Mm. Yeah, what, what did Stanley Kubrick tell him when he had when he was, like, dropping some saliva? He was, like, losing his mind with The Shining. <laughs> he was like, what, what did he say? You just had some sherbet, but it's really lemony and bitter. Now make a face and spit out a little bit of spittle. It was weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. You, so, what, so what would you, just, you know, for people who haven't seen it, what would you describe the plot as? Like, what it's is really, it? there's, there is a one-sentence logline for this is, and it's, a family goes and looks after a hotel um, in complete isolation and the isolation and maybe the hotel sends them all a bit loopy and turns the father into in a homicidal rage. I mean, that's really right. as simple as that, isn't it? Oh, and the yeah, exactly. has psychokinetic or psycho powers. What is it? Um, telekinetic powers? or? Yeah, the shine. Yeah. That's yeah. weird because the film is called The Shining, but that's really not got anything to do with it. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it, it is. I've always thought that, especially even even Stephen King's book. I mean, like, it's a weird phrase as well, The Shining. Like, it's, yeah. I don't know, it's kind of like art as well as like, kind of like shining <laughs> light, but it kind of feels like, I don't know, it's kind of a sharp kind of word. I don't know. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I'd say basically that uh, what Kubrick did was 
take Stephen King's book and just take the core concept and what he wanted to do and then cut out a lot and a lot of stuff that Stephen King put in there. Like Stephen King really went home like with the alcoholism side of the story and that's basically what his book is about is Jack succumbing to his alcoholism. But yeah. I don't think Kubrick was really interested in that. He was more interested in... He, Kubrick thought that there's always a, the dark side to humanity, regardless of alcoholism or anything. And he want, that's what he wanted to explore, really, in his film. Yeah, and it's something that I think Stephen King might not have fully appreciated, because he has criticised the film a lot. And it's really it's because the film doesn't match the book, but it's his book, but it's Stanley Kubrick's film. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... And I really t- started to take Stephen King's criticism seriously, though, when I was thinking about this film. And I really agree with a lot of the things he said. And the main criticism I agreed with was, Jack Nicholson's already fucking mental. Like, yeah. when, he's, when he's in the in- interview with Ullman, it's just like, he's nonplussed when he hears about the previous guy killing, you know, murdering his family with an axe. And he's like, oh, well, you know, I'll be fine. And it's Jack Nicholson. <laughs> I mean, he'd have to shave off his eyebrows and draw, like, pleasant ones on for me to believe that he was a nice man first. You'd need Ned yeah. Flanders, really, to go to lose their mind, wouldn't you? Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, in, in the book, it really goes into... Uh, there's a, a, lot of the, a lot of the book is based before they go to the hotel and in the background, and you really feel for, like, Jack and, and the family and everything, and it's a lot more slow going. Um, <laughs> it's descent into <laughs> madness. <laughs> yeah, which would, it would have to be. Is it quite a long book? It's, yeah, it is, it is a long book. It's, uh, I wouldn't say it's mega long, but it's, um, I mean, I, I read it in a week, which is pretty quick, to be fair. Yeah. But, um, it's, uh, it, it, like a lot of Stephen King novels, it, 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 you could say that it, it drags in the middle a bit. <laughs> it takes its time. Yeah. yeah. I just watched a couple of little excerpts from the miniseries. Oh, sorry, Hugo. I was going to say, here's a good question for you then, because I've not read the book either. Um, have you read the book, Sam? No. So, which is better, the film or the book? <laughs> I really like the book, really liked it. Um, but I'd, I'd still think the film is better because there's bits in the book where I was reading it and thinking, yeah, this is dragging. And the character of Danny is he's a bit too mature in the book. Like, <laughs> I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I, I think it shows, if you watch the miniseries, how, like, he... He's a bit too smart for a six-year-old, or I think he's a five-year-old <laughs> in the book. Yeah. Um, so that that kind of that kind of I, I didn't really like that that much, but yeah, I, I, I think I think the, the movie because it's more of a complete sort of sort of rounded like there's nothing in it that I would say it's a ten out of ten film for me. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, there's a lot read, when you read the book. Had you had you watched the movie first? So you were imagining, or did you read the book first and then watch the movie? I actually, I actually read the book last week. Um, but I, I, I tried to read it when I was when I was fifteen, um, and I couldn't really get into it. But um, so yeah, um, I, I, it's still fresh in my mind. The book. <laughs> it's uh, there's a lot of things in the book that aren't in the film, um, and there's a lot. Of, there's also things in the film that aren't in the book. So, for instance. The maze is in the book. Wow, yeah. maze! It's such a major uh, motif, isn't it? There's no the twins. The twins aren't there. Um, hmm. it, 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 they do mention that they were killed, but they're not in the they're not in the book at all. Um, 
the lift of blood. That's not in the book. I suppose it's not very cinematic, the twins or the blood, really. No. Well, no, I mean, they are cinematic. Sorry, they're they're cinematic, (laughs) but they're not very novelistic. (laughs) I found a similar thing when I read um, the Shawshank Redemption novella. Um, I found myself, as as perfect as Shawshank Redemption is, I found myself sort of uh, regretting or, you know, being sad the fact that some of the themes weren't in the film. Uh, But then again, the Mozart scene isn't in the book. So yeah. they're just different mediums. Yeah. I mean, when I was reading the book, I was thinking there were some bits in there that I thought, I'm just, I was like, if I was to make a film of the book, I'd put in. Like, it re- when, when Jack breaks Danny's arm, it re- there's a lot, because I think as a writer, Stephen King is very good at image, imagery. And uh, that's why a lot of his books have really <laughs> sold to the screen. <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's a bit in it where he describes there's a beer knocked over when he breaks his arm and he, and he describes like how the beer's frothing. And I thought that would be like, you know, if I was, to, I'd do like a close up of like all the beer frothing over, like, you know, and I thought, but yeah, I mean, I'm not Stanley Kubrick. So, <laughs> <laughs> so as a visual metaphor for Jack's state of mind, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah that makes sense. What do you think Hugh might not have liked about this film? Well, I don't really know Hugh that well. Real in real life, just isn't it? Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or what do you think? Maybe the average film goer wouldn't like about the film. Well, despite the fact like, that you call it ten out of ten. Yeah, well, it's you know, <laughs> there's no, it's all taste in it really. But I'd say might not like the lack lack of a story really. I mean, it, not much really happens in it. <laughs> Apart, from remember he know, likes Empire go, Strikes Back. Someone going insane. He, he likes Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which, you know, has, you know, has got a big good story, I agree with you. Well. <laughs> but uh, we're not here to talk about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe the, uh, like, there's no sort of answers. <laughs> like, especially yeah. with the final image. Like, the whole way through the film, you think it's going, you know, you're like, right, he's gone insane. He's now died. And then Kubrick, which isn't in the book, like you just added this last kind of thing is like, you know, oh, what about this? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> what the hell does this mean? <laughs> I can see that when, when like, you know, <laughs> people will be like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't get that. <laughs> Here's a question, to be fair. How old were you both when you saw The Shining first? Did you see it first time? Uh, I saw it when I must have been about 12. And what about you, Ben? Yeah, I, I don't remember. I mean, it's that period where I was watching a lot of stuff that I shouldn't have been doing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I t- actually, no, I do remember. I, I do remember looking at the, the poster, you know, the yellow poster with the distorted face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was, when I was, must have been about, I don't know, 10 or something like that, and thinking, no, this is weird. And then I'm reading about, you know, oh, it's a horror film, it's an amazing horror film. And then I think. I saw it late at night on Channel 4 or something, and I flicked onto the scene where um, Halloran and Danny were talking, and he's like, don't go into room 237. And I'm, I was just like, this is weird. Like, I've never, <laughs> like I, I didn't know a film. Like, I've never seen a film with, like, that was, like, slow and, like, <laughs> got that kind of thing. So I must have been about, yeah, 10 years old or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't totally fully understand it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. A quick digression yeah. on the um, on the final shot, just for uh, 
the 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 photo you know the 19 mm. well i won't i won't say when because that's one of the quiz questions um i mentioned <laughs> last last time when we watched apocalypse now that i'd been watching a lot of community and that was referenced literally again the day that i watched the shining i watched an episode of community where the last shot of the episode is uh an old-timey picture like that and chang is right there, mm. and then it pans down to the you know the the sort of emblem at the bottom the, yeah. you know, when it was, and it says "Old Timey Photo Club 2014." <laughs> <laughs> Such a good reference, <laughs> and it's like community is following me. It's very cine literate show. Yeah. This is why I was asking how old you both were, was because obviously we grew up in an age that when the the internet was in its nascence, and so. We couldn't just go on the internet or YouTube or we couldn't quickly <laughs> think about what does this mean? What's it all about? You kind of yeah. had to sit for, you know, especially if you were 10 years old for years going, what the hell was the end of that film? Actually yeah. About? You used to have it swimming around your head. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To be, yeah. I mean, I, did, I probably just didn't like, I was just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, tell, I, like, like, I agree with you, Hugh. Like, there's a, like, I remember a lot of my, like, what I got interested in watching was, in like Blockbuster, walking around looking at the DVD covers. Um, yeah. another, like, American Psycho was one of them. I saw that cover and I was just like, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. I did, but I didn't see it until I was in my 20s in the end. That one. Um, I was quite great. late to it. Yeah, I was quite late to it. Really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. I think we're ready to hear Hugh's opinion. So after the break. We'll find out what Hugh thinks about The Shining. So, Hugh, what did you think of The Shining? Okay, so, um, do you know this is going to be the first for this? I don't know what I think of The Shining. <laughs> I genuinely don't know if I enjoyed it or if I didn't like it, which tends to me lean me towards I didn't enjoy something. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's an odd one because this one's a Kubrick film and by and large, I'm a fan of Stanley Kubrick's work, you know, um, Full Metal Jacket, Clockwork Orange, um, I need to, I'd love to watch Sparks even though he doesn't like it, Doctor Strange Love. Um, his output, you know, during the 60s, 70s and 80s, while sparse up 2001 A Space Odyssey, another cult classic, you know, Stone Cold Summer classic. This, I think it, it's the law of you've been told so much about it. You sit down and watch it. And because I knew the ending, there was no tension for me to the, the end of the film. So I was like, well, I know he's going to freeze to death. I know that Shelley Duvall and little Danny are going to escape. But I did enjoy the ride, I suppose. I did think the tone of the film at times was a bit all over the place. Like, you, you guys were saying earlier, oh, well, this guy gets told that these people were murdered at this lodge 10 years prior, and he's just like, yeah, that's fine. I'll I'll work there. Um, <laughs> you know, he's... There is something... They try and... Like, there's a scene right at the beginning of the film where they where they basically... the Like, the wife's basically saying, oh, look, he's not a bad person. He just had a bit too much to drink and hurt our child. No, he's clearly a bad person. <laughs> You're a battered wife, essentially. Like, why are these two characters together? Then there's clearly, you would never put them together in a million years. Like, there's only like a few scenes where he's, 
like you would imagine that, oh, you can actually see why these two people are together and they've had a child. You feel like this is like she got pregnant and because of where they were from and the place they were from, they kind of had to stay together. Just, you know, they, they, they act like strangers at the best of times, which uh, did irk me a little bit. Um, the premise of the film is brilliant. Like put some people isolated and watch them go mad while this evil malevolent spirit of this hotel tries to kill them. Essentially, that is fantastic. I, I really enjoyed that. I thought that was amazing. Um, I really enjoyed, like I said, I enjoyed Jack, Jack Nicholson. It's brilliant. Um, you know, we're going to get into it in a few minutes, the favourite line and favourite scenes. Um, but, you know, again and again, you watch that actor and you go, yeah, he was, he's one of the best actors ever. He, he, that, you know, the bit when he, when he does speak to you know, when he's talking to her and finds the documents, uh, sorry, she finds the manuscript of what he's been writing all this time. And then he starts talking to her and he's just walking towards her. And, you know, that, that performance from him there is amazing. Um, in my opinion, you know, like he, he deserves every accolade he gets for that. And, you know, again, um, little Danny's good. Oh, I liked all the actors in it and the, the bad performances. Um, the music... As, as Sam, I agree with your point, what you said, the non-diegetic and the diegetic music, the diegetic music in the bathroom scene is really good, where you can hear like the band playing in the background and, you know, it kind of sets an even, an easy tone when he has this conversation with Grady, um, you know, this like cavuncular servant kind of waiter and then he turns on a dime to this like um, malevolent sort of, I don't know how you describe it, sort of malevolence that's trying to influence him to do wrong. I, I liked that, I enjoyed that kind of use. Although, and this is a criticism I have of Kubrick films in general, is whilst the music can be brilliant, it can also be very, very distracting. It can it can be... T- it, I noticed it in the 2001 A Space Odyssey and I noticed it in A Clockwork Orange. He, he plays it too loud over the dialogue sometimes. That's my personal gripe with it. Others might enjoy it, like you guys might like it. I don't enjoy it when he does it too loud. I think it's part of his kind of movie landscape that he tries to build for an audience, which I'm impressed by that he's at least trying to do something different. But sometimes I don't think it works. And um, there was at times where there's like electro kind of, almost electrostatic noise coming through the scenes. And you're just like, well, I'm trying to, in- I'm trying to watch the scene here. Um, other things I don't, I think Kubrick over sexualizes his films as well. Um, like, like why is like, this is a question you, you read the book, uh, Ben, yep. is, the, is it a start bollock naked woman in the, in the <laughs> when he walks in? Is that, or is that Kubrick? What? The normal woman. Who's yeah. Not, yeah the, uh, no, no, that is, that is not in the book. That's not in the book. Yeah. So that's a no. Kubrick choice. Kubrick just wants to show some some tips and yeah talk about that because one of the analyses of the film is that it's about sexual abuse of danny um oh wow i don't know if i agree with it but yeah um that's the greatness of the film though that you can go well it's about alcoholism no it's about colonialism no it's about uh you know madness it's about isolation yeah i think can i just ask you a question here sorry yeah did you notice any any bits of the film that you thought that confused you or you were uh, I don't know how to put this didn't didn't add up um I think 
when you watch it, a lot of it doesn't make sense. I like after I watched it, I went on YouTube and watched videos about right. it and was like, oh, I, I kind of almost had to be, I had to be told why it was good. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes whilst if I have to be told why something's good, then the director has to keep their aim of conveying that to you. Like explaining now, maybe, why a joke is funny. Yeah, it, you know, maybe I've not been able to un- interpret correctly and understand it. And in all fairness to the film, like I've, you know, one of the videos I watched, they were talking about the TV miniseries that was made for it directly from the book, and obviously it suffered a bit from budget constraints. But Kubrick has made something a lot more watchable than that TV miniseries ever was. That, that this. <laughs> Maybe because we're sat here talking about it and it is in the popular consciousness culturally. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I can, I'm quite happy to do that. Um, I, I would have liked to have seen it without knowing about it, if that makes sense. Um, so, what, what are you referring to there? You're referring to like the, um, say, for instance, there's one scene where there's a chair behind Jack and then it cuts to Wendy. And then it cuts back to Jack, and the chair's not there in the background. Oh, bit, which bit's that? It's a bit where um, it's, it's near the start of the film where Wendy's Wendy comes in and talks to Jack, and, and Jack's basically saying, "You know, when I'm typing, don't interrupt me." Yeah, like stuff like you break that, my concentration. That bit didn't make sense. Like, why is he being such an ass to his missus? When like, I think the scene before that, he's like, "Oh, I've slept in till eleven thirty. I couldn't believe what time it is." And he's like, "Oh, I better get some writing done. We can't go for a walk." He's actually being genuinely nice. <laughs> like one thing well, I would say I, about this film that I like, sorry Sam, is sorry. that dialogue in it between the actors is incredibly realistic. They talk like people talk to each other in real life, and I really enjoyed that about this film. Nobody was there. Is you can tell it gets more dialogue writer heavy but this like little subtlety like there is stuff i really enjoy about this one so that's like the bit where um uh, the manager of the hotel showing jack and wendy around and there's like uh holler and the manager jack wendy and i think somebody else yeah. was there. and it's that's like real life people are kind of like mm, well we don't need to say anything here it's like well oh, look at this and oh yeah have you seen that and, oh, <laughs> yeah like I think, and Kubrick does that incredibly well. Like, well, in that, in, that, in that bit of the film, in that bit of the film, did you notice when, when they're walking across all the, the stained glass windows, which is like outside, basically, and they're walking all past it, and then they get into the alcove, and then when, when they walk in, two, two people walk basically from the outside, from another corridor. <laughs> it's like an impossible corridor, really. Like, the layout of the hotel is like... <laughs> Could not exist like that. <laughs> it does play with your mind. The size, yeah, I, the sheer yeah. size of the hotel is quite imposing in the mm. number of corridors they're in and when Danny's on the bike. It was quite disappointing to watch the making of documentary and see just how much of it was, you know, just got, like fat guys with uh, microphones and, and like <laughs> bits of editing software just in the dark, gloomy corridors. Yeah. Well, I had to have it explained on the internet through YouTube and various video essays. That, right, and yeah, you, that, you didn't. You didn't like the fact that. <laughs> I mean, was, look, uh, <laughs> Kubrick is genius film director. I can't deny that he 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 crafted his film in such unique ways that you know people have often said this, and I'm not going to disagree. You know, he really was 
and uh, you know not just he was an artisan of film he wasn't just you know wasn't an auteur he was he is one of the best that's ever made film and it, and he, well, he, he you know that he thinks about all of these things and he puts them in and he's thought through them seriously and he's worked with people and you know but, that by accident sorry. yeah yeah well this is the thing i mean there's so many there's like i've only listed two there but when you go into i mean room, if you watch the documentary room 237 it like lists a lot of them there's so much stuff in it that in, in the shining the film that <laughs> are mistakes like <laughs> like for instance when the ball rolls to danny um, yeah. and he's playing with his trucks and then he stands up and it cuts to a shot be- behind him the actual carpet is the other way around in that shot. <laughs> <laughs> what, so if they, what, have they moved the carpet around? Well, I, is, yeah, yeah. Or have they just set There's also when Halloran is showing Wendy and uh, Danny around, when he goes into one of the big walk-in fridges, he opens the door with his left hand, and then it cuts to inside, and he's opened the door. He's actually walking in the other way and opened the door with his right hand. <laughs> and then, and then when he exits, comes out, it cuts to that, and he's come out on the other side, the other corridor. <laughs> the other side is the corridor. <laughs> you know what? It's one of those things that I didn't notice any of those things, but mm. I did feel a sense of disorientation. That's, that's what I love about it. That's why yeah. when you, when people explain it to you, I think it kind of. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I was just wild by that fact that I had not even noticed it. So, and it's so do that with me again. Sorry, I just want to make sure. So, when they go into the walk-in um, fridge, right? He, goes, yeah. he uses his, he uses his left hand to what to go in, and then well, let me get this right. It's either his left see. or his right. So he, he opens <laughs> the door. So the, the shot where he's out, where they're outside of it. Yeah. He, he opens the door with his with his left hand or his right. Let's say left hand. And yeah. then cuts to the inside. And it's the when opposite. he's walking in, he's walking in, but he's open, he's, had, he's got the door with his right hand. <laughs> right. So the handle's on the other side? Yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and then when it cuts through them walking out, mm. he's, on the, he's on the same side, but the camera is on the, on the different side of the corridor. Mm. So it's like he's, he's, he's actually coming out on a... They were actually coming out on a different side. Now, is that intentional or is that just continuity errors? Well, <laughs> because you can't, you can't imagine Kubrick making continuity this is, errors. This is the know. point I was making, yeah. yeah. But you can't imagine him making continuity errors, but I'm also aware that they can't change things if they, know, if they only notice them in post. And they didn't, well, they do nowadays change things, but back then they would have just put it out the way it was. Well, the thing that makes me say um, that it's not, but, just yeah. uh, continuity errors is the fact that the actual layout of the hotel they've got i think there's a youtube um guy called rob ager who actually went to the kubrick archives found mm. sketches of the layout of the hotel and those sketches confirm that he actually purposely made the hotel <laughs> not you know impossible geography i think he called it that's great yeah <laughs> yeah that's, and he used to and he, he and stories from the set say that whenever he, between takes of the same shot used to go around and move things around and things like that <laughs> i mean the, the best one for me is the chair in that scene if you watch it there's a chair in the background it cuts back and there's no chair and it's to me it's incredibly creepy when it's pointed out but i didn't notice God. it at the time. <laughs> yeah and it works in this film where you do think the hotel's a 
you know, yeah. an active force. And we might have watched the same video on, on YouTube, but I did see a little clip from the miniseries where Jack and Wendy are fighting and a chair sort of sweeps and right. yeah. knocks her off her feet as a, the rehearsal <laughs> is an active participant. Yeah. Whereas in this film, obviously, it's much more um, ambiguous. Yeah, I mean, another one is Jack's type. The type, Jack's typewriter changes color. <laughs> See now, you know that's intentional, but that, that's yeah. brilliant. I did like yeah. the attention to detail that I did notice with the, um, you know, what is it? All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Yeah. Was that did it in different literary styles? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. like so was yeah. genuinely him and his assistant for a month or two mm. typing it out. I've and tried that's not, to. That's not in the book as well. I got about seven oh. or eight different ones when I watched it. Yeah, because you know it's they're quite no, they're obviously noticeable. There might yeah. be more. If you go back and watch it. Yeah. Well, there's pages and pages, but you're right. Different styles and you know there's yeah sort of funnel shaped ones and oddly shaped ones. Yeah. Yeah, ones with indentations like on the start yeah. of every second sentence, and then uh, poetic formats and and, <laughs> and typos. Yeah. I really liked the typos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can imagine someone doing typos having to type all that out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but then yeah. it adding to the sense like there is a lot to like in this film. Like, don't get me wrong. And then I think it's like you said, it's the more you find out about it the more you appreciate what's going on. But I don't think, like I said, I don't think all of that is directly translated to the audience. Now, right. you know, Kubrick might have, you know, been a sort of a, a, a director who's, you know, leave the audience wanting to ask questions, hence the ending, you know, why is he, you know, why is he in this photograph? And like, it's like, there's this one interpretation I heard, it was like, oh, well, you know, when he talks to Grady and he's, you know, when he's talking to Grady, when he's talking to, um, Grady says, you know, you've always been the caretaker, sir. And uh, when he says to Wendy at the beginning of the film, oh, I feel, you know, I feel really comfortable, really familiar, like I've been here before. Someone was saying, mm. you know, that's, he's reincarnated. Yeah. And, you know, that violence. But it's like, uh, no, he, there's like two lines, three lines at best that suggest this. There's, and that's, and maybe that's, yeah, maybe I just, yeah, there was like, so what, he's been reincarnated twice, three times since the 1920s or something. You know, what was, were they just sat in a, the Indian burial ground for like 20 years or something, 50, two, three, you know, a thousand years or something like that. Just, oh, I'm at the Indian burial ground. Oh, the trees, are, the burial ground's telling me to kill my family. Oh, well, let's go, better go chop them up. Yeah. <laughs> well, with that in mind, actually, Ben, can you tell us about the scene that was cut out after the first week or so of the cinematic release? Well, there's been a few different versions of the film. Um, so, but the the biggest, like the immediate change that Kubrick made was um, he cut the ending. He cut a different ending off um, off the end. Basically, he shot a scene where you see Wendy and Danny in a hospital uh, recovering, basically. And uh, I think within about, I think it was three weeks after after it been shown, he he, he said he recorded he recorded all the all the uh, all the film and uh, cut it and burnt it. So that that <laughs> does not exist. And I think it was a good decision. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I like I like that he throws you off, and I'm guessing this is in the novel as well. Obviously, I know that in the novel, uh, Holleran saves them, doesn't he? Where in this. Yeah brutally murdered with an axe which is a great scene 
by the way, when you see him walking around and you know something's going to happen to him because it cut because you follow Jack and then it cuts to Holler and and you're like, I was sat there going, you've nothing to protect yourself. He could be anywhere. You know? <laughs> that was, was good. And then I was like, oh, well, he's walked into this corridor and then the camera stays still and he walks down this hallway and you're like, oh, well, there's nothing, there's no threat there. And then bang, he's out and he's got an axe to his chest and you're like, ah, oh, <laughs> I told yeah. you he wasn't safe. I was right. But again, that's the brilliance of Kubrick's direction um, that he's able to create that tension. Like another great bit of tension is where Danny's with, um, Danny's with, you know, when he, he's like in the bedroom with Jack and he's like, oh, Jack's like, I'd never hurt you. This would never happen. And, you know, you're, you know, I'd never do anything. But you don't feel at all that this guy's not a threat to his child. Um, yeah. You know the words don't match with the body language and the tension. That's I thought that was brilliant. So yeah, I don't know. This is it. I find a lot with this film that there's bits I do like, and then there's bits that I find jarring and don't work. And I think that was a de- definite. I think Kubrick kind of wanted the film to be like that, where it was jarring and you know it's <laughs> doesn't add up and <laughs> it makes you feel uneasy and. Yeah, so I think that was definitely an intent of the director. I mean, what's interesting is, I, mean, I don't know if you know this, but he, 1980, you know the Razzies, the awards, the Razzies? Oh, yeah. Kubrick actually was nominated and won Worst Director for The Shining. <laughs> and Shelley Duvall was nominated for Shelley Worst was, Actress. Yeah, Worst Actress. I yeah. can't decide if she was good or bad in this. Like, she was either amazing or shite, and I can't decide. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people don't like her, but I think she's amazing in it purely because I don't think she's acting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I like, I mean, yeah. I, so let's get into it. What was um, both of yours' favourite scenes, if you want to go first, Ben? Well, <laughs> difficult, but I think it's got to be the scene where Wendy finds the manuscript and Jack creeps up on her and, and the whole bit about Wendy sobbing her eyes out, <laughs> edging backwards and Jack just gone completely nuts. <laughs> Basically going, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. <laughs> and it really reminds think... me of the Simpsons and their treehouse. Yeah. Yeah. I, re- I rewatched that again today, The Shinning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to get sued, boy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just think it's the point—the point where the the film then pivots to, you know, right. Mm. Jack lost his mind. Now it's just a fight for survival, and then the whole rest of the hour of that film is just a uh, one long <laughs> night of trying to survive. <laughs> Wendy and Danny. Um, yeah, and that a bit about that scene. I think um, it was 127 takes. Um, Good God. And (laughs) it's uh, (laughs) basically, I think Kubrick did takes so many takes of each scene because um, he wanted the characters to basically, when you're saying the same thing over and over again, you become, you start, you know, becoming mad yourself and (laughs) saying it in different ways and different. (laughs) You're basically. It's fair to say he he doesn't want people acting. Exactly. And what he said was he doesn't use the first take because actors don't know the lines. And when he says know the lines, he means you can see them. You can see them trying to remember the lines and acting. 
So we just mm, so yeah. many takes where the, so just the lines are ingrained in them <laughs> and they're not acting anymore. They just know them. <laughs> there was one and scene I, where Shelley Duvall runs up a flight of stairs and they did so many takes that she ran the equivalent of uh, up and down the Empire State Building. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Who works that out? <laughs> People on IMDb. Scatman Crothers, who plays Halloran. Um, that was, I think it was his first film or one of his first films. And then the next film he shot. Um, he did one take and the director said, okay, and he started crying. <laughs> <laughs> so grateful. <laughs> so grateful. <laughs> I think those those kind of things work for this film, though, because like in that you know, in that scene where he's, I mean, for me, that was my favourite scene as well. I mean, it's a, it's just a brilliant bit of cinema. It's better than the bathroom. You know, the famous bit in that, obviously, him going, here's Johnny. But in uh, in this, the, the typewriter bit's so much better because he goes into a monologue about his responsibilities. And, you know, he's clearly decided that his responsibilities don't extend to his family anymore. And he's just going to murder them and, you know, the, that. It, it, but it was so, you know, she's walking backwards and you keep flipping between uh, the mm. actors. You see him menacing and obviously uh, Jack uh, Jack Nicholson may have won a Razzie or may have been nominated for a Razzie, uh, but his eyebrows definitely won an Oscar for me in this film. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Jack, yeah Jack, Nichol- Jack Nicholson wasn't nominated, fortunately, so they weren't that uh, <laughs> insane. Yeah, it wasn't the triumvirate. Yeah. <laughs> Director, yeah. leading actress. A little fun fact, this is completely apropos of nothing, but... Uh, well, scenes. Sorry? What was your favourite scene? Well, I I think... Now, it's not because of the TNA. I think the <laughs> scene that stuck with me the most from being a young child watching this film was the, was the bathroom scene. Oh, and it's, it's just, incredible it's, scene, yeah. It's like... Uh, there's a bit in the original uh, It, but it just uh, where he's kissing a woman and it turns out it's actually the clown. And obviously yeah. this is... It was just, it really stuck with me and it horrified me. And when I watched the film again earlier this week, I was like, I was, you know, a young child again, being absolutely horrified by it. Yeah. So I think not necessarily the best scene in the film or anything, but just the most effective uh, example of how Kubrick can make me feel things. I think that, that yeah. wins. Well, that's, that's, that's his job done, isn't it? That's... Yeah, exactly. You... 20 years later. Um, that's, that's important, isn't it? I, as I said, the oh, yeah. scene. Typewriter. What was your fact? Oh yeah, fact. Uh, talking about a typewriter and, and that big lounge set, they were trying to create um, realistic sunlight, so they had the wattage quite high on the mm. lights, and it actually caught fire. Yeah. Then, linking back to a previous episode of ours, when they rebuilt it, they made it slightly higher. Hugh, do you want to guess? Do you know where they reused that set or that space for a film that we've looked at previously? What so the so which scene in the typewriter scene? So the big, you know, the huge, that huge space. The the the, the like the reception there, the lounge. Stuff. Can I give him a clue? Yeah. <laughs> so it's what film? Ford in it. Well. One <laughs> 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 thing that's come to light while we've been making this podcast is my subconscious <laughs> delight of Harrison Ford films, apparently. <laughs> That's why I thought he hadn't watched The Shining. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they, so that room they used it. Oh, is it? Did they use it for the uh, scene in Indiana in Raiders? Well, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where they're in the um, the bar at the beginning. No, it's the Well of Souls tomb. 
thought you were going to get it then. <laughs> <I was> saying, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just trying to think. I mean, it's dressed like a, the set's dressed like a, um, you know, a hotel. <laughs> it's hard to, yeah. you know, it's just on the same stage, to be fair. I mean, that's... Yeah. Can I can I just add something? Another fact about oh, facts. scenes from the films. <laughs> scenes from the well, scenes from the film being in a different film. You know, um, I'm not sure if you guys have uh, done well. We'll be Blade Runner, but um, there's a version of Blade Runner that was first released oh, with yeah. a happy ending. Um, have you seen it, Hugh? The happy ending yeah. version of Blade Runner. Oh, the happy but, ending one is that? Yeah, basically oh, when it completely <laughs> changes tone and. They're driving off into the sunset. Well, Ridley Scott, basically, when he shot Blade Runner, didn't have the ending in. And uh, he's, he had to, the, the studio wanted this ending, this happy ending. So he, he phoned Stanley Kubrick and said, have you got any shots for me that I can use? And he said, yeah, I'll send you all I've got. So all the shot, all those shots at the end of yes. the ending uh, of Blade Runner are the, shots of, are the shots of the start of The Shining. <laughs> Where he's... <laughs> Yeah, up, driving up the road. <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah, because he they, they were friends, weren't they? And um, you know, he asked him if he could use the footage, didn't he? And he was, yeah, you can't have it. And yeah, um, I can't even remember the end of Blade Runner. I'm trying to remember what happens. I know that him and have you seen it, Sam? I've only seen. I mean, I've seen the clip that Ben's talking about. Really, oh. the, the the version I saw it ends with him. She's gone in the apartment. He's closing the door and there's a flash of light in his eye and he closes the door. I think that's how it ends in my version. That's how it should have ended. Yes, 100%. <laughs> what's um, what's everyone's favourite lines then in this film? I think that's tricky. Do you have one, Ben? It is tricky. But for some reason, I just I, I do like the line of where, where Wendy's saying, um, I just need time to think things over. Yeah, <laughs> you've had your whole fucking life to think it's over. What a few more minutes gonna do you now? <laughs> I don't know. I just, <laughs> just like, it's great. <laughs> yeah. I think my favourite line is probably actually one Ben's already mentioned. I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash <laughs> your fucking brains in. <laughs> That's like you're gonna bash him right the fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's my favourite line as well. It's um, I like I, I like it does like like you said the amount of takes they do. He starts sticking his tongue out, doesn't he, when he says the line? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he felt that. He really felt that line. I thought. <laughs> he hated. Yeah, she. Yeah, she's like terrified in it, isn't she? Yeah. <laughs> I wish it last because it's not funny, but she's I actually know. terrifying. Yeah. yeah, but you feel that tension as well from it. I, I think in that scene, it is the best scene in the film by a mile. It is. It's I, mean, I mean, the scene it? where he's cutting the door down. We, we've got to mention that because yeah, just but. how long it takes. Like, <laughs> do you want, Ben? Do you want to do you want to do the fact about Jack Nicholson and doors and and well, hats? yeah. I mean, he did. He, he used to be a fireman, Jack Nicholson. So. Yeah, he was actually cutting them down too quick. <laughs> I think they went. I'm not sure how many doors they went through, but I think it was uh, about sixty. I think about sixty, yeah, sixty or seventy doors. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Because they, they initially made a stunt door that would be broken easily. He knows how to use an axe. He was swishing them down by sandpaper. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so they had to make a stronger fake door. There's no axe in the book as well, by the way. 
He doesn't so uh, again, bash him down with an axe. He back, it's bashes totally him cinematic. Down with a cro- uh, well, it's called a rope mallet, but it's like a croquet mallet. Ah. Right. That's cool. I suppose that's harder to explain why it's there. An axe is a bit more of a fire. You know what? It's probably harder to beat a door down with as well. Yeah, I think so. Yes. Just an idea for, um, not favourite line, but most intriguing line. At least yeah. it took me a long time to figure out what he meant by it. Um, when he's uh, having a drink at the bar um, and he says, oh, you know, this hard work, white man's burden. And yeah. I know that white man's burden is, um, it's that Rudyard Kipling, you know, it's the colonialism, it's the job of the white man to go and, you know, teach these savages in other countries to, to be better. Um, mm. I couldn't I couldn't quite figure out what he meant in that context. Well, that, 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 that line's in the book. And that, oh. but that, that, like, a lot of, that basically whole scene is pretty much in the book, like pretty pretty line for line. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's in, so yeah, it's uh, it is. I think that's some, that line is something that weighs a lot of weight for the uh, the Native American genocide theory of, of right. the world. It is actually in the book, so I don't know about that. It that's is good. a bit. It is a bit incongruent, isn't it? As a line, I did I did kind of wonder why he's. He said that because is it yeah? What is it referencing? You know, is it oh I've had a hard day's work, so you know, I think so. Unheard. And one of the things I one of the things I got from it is when men are being men and uh, they're trying to show their credentials as being a man, and um, and so like I don't know, you get into a taxi as a as a man and the taxi driver says something a bit racist or sexist or vaguely ist. Uh, and it felt like that, like he was connecting with. Well, the there's another, there's another line in that scene as well, which uh, isn't in the book, where he goes, "Ah, oh, the old sperm bank up there." Yeah. <laughs> I thought, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's... I think Stephen King did argue that it was a very misogynistic character, Wendy. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I, I can understand why Stephen character. King didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. But Wendy Torrance in the book is a lot stronger. Like, right. I, I can understand these reservations. As well, much as he did write in his book on right, um, I think Dance Macabre, that it is what the one film that has added something to the, you know, <coughs> art world or, or the horror movie genre as a whole. Right. So he didn't he didn't entirely dislike it. You can see why he had problems there. Oh, definitely, yeah. That's great. So uh, I think we're ready to ask Hugh about two things. Firstly, Hugh. Um, how many? No, I'll, I need to think of a rating system. Hugh, would you recommend this film? Um, despite the things I've said about it, I would recommend it, but I would caveat it with watch it and then go and learn about it because it's not, you can't, I, I don't think you can really thoroughly enjoy it without knowing about the processes that Kubrick went through and the, the effort he puts into his films. I think. I think it's more of a, it's almost like the tip of an iceberg with these things. Because mm. you know the novel's there because it's a Stephen King novel. You know that there's there's a an avid community of people who read into a lot of these things and have noticed things. And you know what, If it, I suppose if it hadn't made an impact when it was first released, we wouldn't know little subtle things like, you know, the carpet reverses when the shop goes to behind the scene from Danny, you know, stuff like that. Cause no one would have gone back and watched it or nobody would have cared to have, to have mentioned it. It's, and yeah, I, I would recommend it. Um, it does. And I suppose it does have its problems. Um, 
but it, it you know it hasn't aged badly and i do there's you know i do like a lot of it i like the fact that you do see the reaction of the characters before you see the the horrific thing i think that's really good although i do think what if they had some interaction you know they kind of conveniently wait for the characters to see what's happening before that they, their um, malevolence is revealed. Um, so do you, do, you, do you think the ghosts are real then in, in, the, in the movie? So, if, so this is it. I didn't think it was haunted to the, I mean, I can, but you know, it is, do you know what I mean? I thought maybe that it was all kind of the isolation was sending him mad and there wasn't any malevolence in it. But then there's the two shots, isn't there, where the ball gets rolled to him. So that suggests something's there, and the and the freezer doors opened. Which oh, that, also, yeah, that's the big thing. Yeah, that's, that's meant to be yeah. a big deal, isn't it? That he's well, uh, well then Danny could have opened. They the have door. agency. Yeah, exactly. And I think one of the things that was that was cut out was um, a scene at the end where they where the doctors say to them, um, Jack's body was never found. And, right, yeah, that's true, yeah. And as we do in every single episode, Roger Ebert's going to get a mention. He said it was a very good idea to get rid of that. He says Kubrick was wise to remove that epilogue. It pulled one rug too many out from under the story. At some level, it is necessary for us to believe the three members of the Torrance family are actually residents in the hotel during that winter, whatever happens or whatever they think happens. And I, th- I do agree with that, I think. It's it's interesting that you mentioned Robert, Roger Roger Ebert because he gave the he gave it a bad review on its original release, and right. now it's in his it's in his great movies book. That's <laughs> so, interesting. So, so I'm thinking, Hugh, maybe give it ten years and you might really really <laughs> enjoy it. <laughs> well, I think it, there's you know we've looked at a lot of films that have been made in the late seventies, early eighties on this podcast. You know, obviously they were an influence on us growing up as children, knowing and hearing about these films. So it's a very definitive period of cinema that, in Hollywood at least, that produced a lot of art that, you know, can be enjoyed and mm. also that can be questioned and, you know, can be interpreted in certain ways. Um, whether, if, you know, like with Empire, Sam didn't like it. With this, I mean, look, I'm glad I've seen it. It, I like what he does with the spaces. I like that he, you know, it, it like you said, it is this big cavernous um, hotel, which is amazing. You know, I, I, he plays with the genre extremely well. Um, maybe the fact that he played with it 40 years ago is, and we've had time to settle on it and to understand that this is how these things work. That's where maybe I struggled with more the tone of the film and it's, and like it's like a two and a quarter hour film, I think it is, and it's like I'll be honest, they didn't need all the bit with um, with Halloran. Like also, Danny's abilities to uh, or telekinetic abilities have no bearing on the film itself because all the characters are clearly seeing stuff. Like Jack's clearly interacting with them. Um, there's no exploration of what Wendy may or may not be seeing, but she's clearly seeing something because she perceives Jack as a threat immediately when um, he gets the bruise on his neck. Um, so that's a very good point, actually. Yeah, she yeah. sees things. Yeah, she's like the uh, the the uh, wolf, well, the bear costume guy and Grady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> True. Well, I think it's interesting that you mentioned the length because you you've watched the longer version. I'm not sure if you're aware, but there is yeah. a there is a shorter version that Kubrick cut down after the original was released. So maybe it's worth watching that and seeing if you if you enjoy that a bit more. 
Um, probably not. <laughs> I like, <laughs> to be honest, I do like a longer film, but I also think if you're going to make your film over two hours, you've got to make every scene important to the plot and to drive it forward and to develop. If you're not driving the plot forward, you're developing the characters more. Um, mm. And some bits like, I didn't need to see uh, Holleran go to his friend in, um, was it Colorado, and be like, oh, can you get me up to this, uh, up to where I work in time? It's like. <laughs> well, that, that's one of the scenes that's cut out, in, I believe, Sam, isn't it, in the, uh, yeah, in the version you right. saw? But yeah. the fact that he chose to put that in says that he felt it was relevant, which. Well, then he chose, he, well, he put it in, but then chose to cut it out. So there's a lot of, di- there's a lot of, uh, um, talk about what is the definitive version, but the, the, the argument is that the last version that he cut was the shorter two-hour, just under two-hour version. So that is, the and there is still a lot version. of Halloran getting there, and that's what always amused me. Actually, that's an, that's the other takeaway I had when I first watched it was I've seen this guy spend ages getting the shinning, um, <laughs> you know, waking up in the middle of the night, have his breakfast or whatever, you know, order some tickets yeah. down the play. And he's he's at the hotel for what fourteen seconds, and he's dead. And that, I really I did like that about it. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean it's different, isn't it? It really does throw you as an audience. Um, I I don't know, but it was like at the same time. Yeah, yeah, I can't argue. Maybe I did enjoy that it was different in that respect. Um, but yeah, I would recommend it. So um, have you got a rating oh, yeah. system? For me rating. Some? How many Apollo Eleven knitted jumpers would you give it out of ten? <laughs> Nice. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm still going to give it quite a high score just because I think it's it is it's an important film, whether I enjoyed it to its fullest extent or not. So I'm probably still going to give it like an eight. Yeah, it's good. It does. I mean, a rating system is a folly, isn't it? Because that doesn't mean anything. But eight out of ten, I'm I'm happy with that. I mean, I'm interested to think if I hadn't watched it for this. I wouldn't have gone and looked it up online and I'd have gone, probably gone, mm, let's see what all the fuss is about. There's some good bits. There's some bad bits. Um, yeah. I don't like the fact, something I don't like is, again, it, it meanders a, like some of the, you can tell it's taken from a book or not, you know, from a novel is like Jack's behavior is weird pretty much after a couple of weeks of living there. And <laughs> it's really quick. It's not progressive it, at all. Yeah. <laughs> he's a psychopath before he goes. Yeah. Like, his, his son asks him, oh, I'm, he says, I'm hungry. And then he gets onto cannibalism and it's like, Jesus, Jack, sort it out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to be a like character that. arc here. We're not supposed have... to believe you've already axed 10 people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> left him by now and <laughs> yeah like i said the, the length of it you know there's there's the bit where the doctor's talking to danny when he's in bed and she at the end she's like oh you know will you stay in bed for me all day please and uh, interesting another scene that was cut out as well, <laughs> well yeah you can see that. <laughs> I, was like, I don't remember that <laughs> yeah. but right. like, so he's got telekinetic powers so but what bearing does that have on like if that kid didn't have telekinetic power, all these things would happen. <laughs> like so, it's so. But the telekinetic powers are. Although, I don't think he's got telekinetic powers. Is telekinesis it telekinesis where you move things around? Yeah. Is it called when you can talk to people? He's got well, not that you can do it, but it's. Um, he's got some kind of yeah extra sense. Second sight. 
second sight. Yeah, he can sort yeah, of see things in the future. Clair- the he's got clairvoyancy, hasn't he? And he's got tele. What's it called? Psychonet- I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah. probably not kinetic. Yeah. Not kinetic at all, is it? No. Pelican, no. Te- oh. <laughs> 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 Once an episode, Hugh gets onto one of these and I think, I'm listening to a man lose his mind. <laughs> 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 you know where I live? There's, very, there's an Indian burial ground, true story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the burial ground. Go right? work there. Oh, yeah, but. <laughs> Caretaker, you're going to be isolated for months. The phone lines are probably going to get cut down. Um, yeah. also, the last guy killed his family. Yeah, <laughs> ten years ago, killed his family, and then also. Um, but you know what? You, we don't think you're a threat to your own mental health and the well-being of your family. So we're just going to leave the three of you there. We're not going to yeah. hire another family to live here. You know. Yeah. Even you know we can. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's great for the plot, and it. I think I would have liked this film more if it was just a guy losing his mind, or three people losing their mind, and the and they the things they see aren't ghosts, and Danny doesn't need to have telekinetic, not telekinetic, <laughs> psychological abilities beyond the other human. Yeah, that I would have said. I mean, you know. What do you guys? I mean, what? I mean, you give it. A, you gave it a ten minute Apollo jumpers out of ten. Um, yeah. What about you, Sam? I think a nine, a solid nine. I think. Yeah, I really like it. I see the flaws in it, but I it was really effective at what it was supposed to do. I think. I mean, we've given our ratings. Let's go to critics' corner. Well, I don't know if we we'll call it that, but let's have a look at what the critics have thought. What I often do is get a good, a positive review and a negative review. What I've got here is both in one. Um, and it's um, Real Views, R-E-E-L, and it's by James Berardinelli. <laughs> Berardinelli. Um, he says, it's a curious motion picture. On the one hand, as a ghost story and adaptation of the Stephen King novel, it's largely a failure. On the other hand, as an example of director- directorial bravura and as a study of madness and the unreliable narrator it's a brilliant success so he says it's intensely claustrophobic and it's suffocating um it's really unsettling so he said that that was all the all the really good things but it's got its pitfalls um the general incoherence of certain narrative elements um and he did because he didn't integrate the supernatural aspects it's it becomes confusing and at times poorly realized yeah, and it says Jack Nicholson's I, is a hammy performance. Mm, no, towards self-parody. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people say that. A lot, like, but to me, that's what I find. I, I see it as a plot, like it's the creepiness of it, where you don't like they don't really flesh out the uh, um, the ghost story kind of thing. They just leave it in the background, and that's what I found really creepy is like the fact that they don't explain it or don't like show it fully. Um, it's just got this ling- lingering presence, like that's just basically you don't know. You, don't, you just that's what that's what I find creepy. <laughs> I agree. I mean, the the you know the scariest demons are the ones in in your own mind, really, aren't mm. they? And it and it, it doesn't explain stuff, and it does leave things that don't make sense. Where you think, um, you know, how can that how can that happen? What why has he gone insane? I mean, there's a scene in it where. 
in the in the book, basically Jack finds a scrapbook about all the history of the hotel, and he um, that's what makes him go obsessed with the hotel, basically. And one scene, I think it's the scene that we were talking about, where Jack gets angry at the typewriter and tells Wendy to leave him alone. You can see the scrapbook on the table, and I know that <laughs> I think right. that was cut out where he finds the scrapbook. And it's interesting that you say, like you, you say, like you know, you didn't understand that because. One of the screenwriters, um, I can't remember her name. Who wrote it with um, with Kubrick? Like oh, says, Diane. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She 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 disagreed with Kubrick about cutting out the the scene where he finds the scrapbook. Um, she thought that was a bad addition to cut out. Whereas I, I kind of just like the fact that it leaves it in the open. Why he's gone insane? Yeah, um, I think it would have been interesting that. I think maybe. I mean, it is what it is, I think. Oh, by the way, it's telepathic ability. Telepathic, that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> um, yeah, I, mean, I like the idea that you weren't listening to either of the other <laughs> 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 <Yeah. laughs> Oh, dear. Right, well, I mean, that's Critics Corner. Shall we do a quiz? Yep, pause for the quiz. After this, the quiz. <laughs> so, uh, welcome back. We have a little quiz here about The Shining, and uh, let's see how we do. So, who's answering the questions? Is it just me, or is it me and Ben? I think, Hugh, you, you go first. Because uh, you're at a disadvantage. And then if there's one that you don't know the answer to, Ben can swoop in for the kill. There's there's some easy ones. Yeah, (laughs) there's some easy ones. There's some difficult ones. Question one. What room are they told to avoid? Uh, It's two, three, seven, isn't it? Good. Bonus question for Ben. In the book, what room is it? It is two, one, seven. Do you know why it changed? The reason it changed is because the hotel that that Kubrick was filming in asked them to change it to a room that didn't exist in the hotel because they thought <laughs> it would <laughs> people would not want to stay in there. Yeah. Whereas it had the opposite effect. And room 217 is one of the, <laughs> the hotel's fully booked rooms. <laughs> the reason, the reason just a, another side one, the reason that it's 217 in the book is because the, the, the Stanley Hotel, which is what um, was what Kubrick, what um, Stephen King based it on, it was the room, room 217 was the room that he stayed in when he had the idea for the book. That's great. I love, that, interestingly, I love that stuff about it. Even more interestingly, it was, it was, it, what Stephen King didn't know, there was a suicide in that room oh, <laughs> before he stayed in there, apparently. Jeez. Does that help? Like, the, the uh, rock, if you didn't know it, does it help? <laughs> oh, I mean, that's a, for Stephen King, I suppose. That's a... Uh, uh, Nice turn, yeah. Bent. <laughs> Question two. What's the name of the hotel, Hugh? The name of the hotel, I wrote this down because I knew you were going to ask. This is a close book example. Sugar. It begins with an F. No. No. You're thinking of the film that, that's called The Shining. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what's it called? It's like the. Oh. It's a very I... apt name. Yeah. It is. Oh, I, would... I watched this and I was like, I need to remember that. And I thought... <laughs> oh. Oh, ben, help me out. 
It's called the Overlook. The Overlook, yeah, of course it is. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. I hate so getting these. Ones, <laughs> question, question three: What does the butler spill on Jack that he's told will stain? Um, it's something that's like avocado based. I can't remember the full name of the drink. It sounds like avocado. Avocado. <laughs> <laughs> no, not, not a supermarket that delivers. <laughs> yeah, it's Advocar. Ah, uh, Advocar. You know Yellow. one thing actually that's, that's just re- I've just been nice reminded stuff. of when I was when I was writing these quiz questions, I thought, ah, next time I watch The Shining, I'm going to see if he's still stained in a later scene <laughs> to see if a, another ghostly apparition has had an effect on something physical. Yeah, I was looking for that. When they went into the bathroom, you know, when they come out. Well, that incentivizes our listeners to watch the film again. Question mm-hmm. four. You, this, I, I was trying to find the wording for this question. What's the name of the newly developed brand of camera stabilizer used for many of the shots in the film? What was the what was the innovation that they used in this film? It's a very technical question there. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it's an impossible. The brand of the camera stabilizer. What are you on about, Sam? You mean like, a, um, like, what, like, um, oh, like Kodak or, um, not the, mm, it's, it's not more of a, a piece of equipment. Yeah. Oh, the, oh, what piece of equipment did they develop? Um, yeah. Is it the gimbal? Like a gimbal, like the stable? Yeah. Where they, steady cam. That's the one. Yeah. Nice. It really works, doesn't it? Mm hmm. There's a you can see the original uh, piece of footage that the um, the cameraman who developed Steadicam. No, sorry, I'm thinking of yes, the Steadicam. He, he does a tracking shot up his stairs in his house, right? To uh, sell mm. to uh, companies, you can still find it on YouTube. Well, let's see, the tracking shots are just one of the most stunning parts of the film. Question five: For how long do the family have to stay? Uh, from October to May, so. Uh, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, seven months. Are you sure? I've got five months. No, it's October to May. He's like, till May. Th-. He says it in the scene. He's like, I've got a contract till May 31st. Right. Well, I've made a mistake then. I'll take your word for it. Ben's <laughs> our independent adjudicator. Yeah, Ben, what do you think? Well, I, I, I only know from reading the book because I've still got that in my mind and I can't quite remember what it said in the film. But yeah, in the book, it's, 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 it's something from October to, it's like October to May in the book or September to May, I think it might even be in the book. Yeah, it's definitely October. At the start. A long time. A long a time. Long time. Uh, question six. What's Ooh, Mr. Six Allman's... Oh, there's, uh, there's seven. What's Mr. Allman's <laughs> first name? Did we do five? You're getting a special oh, treat here. Today, you're Banks. getting an extra 40%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was sorry say again Mr Ullman so Mr Ullman who gives him the job what's his first name Bob <laughs> Ben do you know it's Stuart isn't it Stuart Ullman nice how do you know that he's read the book <laughs> <laughs> the first the first line of the book is what well, I remember read, trying to read it when I was 15 and I always remember the first line and the first line of the book is Jack Torrance thought a vicious little prick <laughs> and, that is to- <laughs> and that is the interview with Stuart Ullman <laughs> fantastic See, yeah. the old, I think the, the manager of the hotel comes across as quite a nice guy in this film he yeah, just, 
he, he had no reason to tell Jack that there'd been a murder. <laughs> this guy had murdered his it's family. It's like he was planting ideas in his head. I don't know what he was thinking. <laughs> yeah. This is an Indian burial ground, right? One. Yep. Everyone who stays here kills their family, too. Right? Here's, here's where the actors are. Here's where you can cut off the phone line. Uh, there's the maze. <laughs> Nightmare. Uh, question seven. What date is written on the photograph in the final shot of the film? 1926. Oh. Yes, it's 921. 921. And what day of the year? It, there isn't a day of the year. It's like the summer, end of the summer ball, isn't it? I think it's. No, nope. well, it says that. And then it's it... quite, a, quite a significant day for Americans. 4th of July? Yep. Yeah. Nice. July 4th, 1921. 26? Is it 21? Are you sure? <laughs> my, my version says 21. <laughs> well, that was The Shining. Hugh sort of liked it a bit, kind of, or could see why it was liked. That's great. I can, I can definitely, you know, I 100% understand why people love this film. I'm not against it in any way. I, I just... Maybe I didn't enjoy it as much as I would. I think I wanted to enjoy it more. And I think my general malaise with horror where things are a bit, it, I always struggle to suspend my disbelief. And I think in this, the fact that Danny's got the telepathic powers is saying, well, here, here's two things that are unusual. So here's, here we're explaining one to you by having um, Scatman and... Um, Danny talked to each other. I just like calling him Scatman. It's better. Yeah, than yeah. Scatman's presence is better than Halloween. I'm going to try and put I'm a Scatman into this at some point if I can figure <laughs> out. I'm a Scatman. Um, and yeah, so it's like here's one supernatural thing explained to you, and then so and it's like a gateway to the other supernatural things that are happening in this film. It's like so the. That that's kind of how I felt. That I didn't really buy the premise that he was like, "Oh, he's yeah. telepathic." Here's some old kindly gentleman. By the way, in today's society, your kid would not be allowed to randomly go off with the chef of- <laughs> for an ice cream. <laughs> so, yeah, for ice cream. Bit, yeah, <laughs> that yeah, I know what you mean. It's got it doubles up on its mumbo jumbo and somehow names the film after the B plot mumbo jumbo. So I get that. Yeah. But uh, I'm glad to because when, when we were talking about making this podcast, it all came down to I've never I'd never seen Empire, you'd never seen The Shining. So by episode eight, we've we've finally done that. What we're yep. going to do next week, Hugh? Well, next week we're going to do Boogie Nights because Sam Boogie has Nights. seen the 1997 film Boogie Nights. Sam, what do you know about Boogie Nights? I know some things. It's by my my favorite director, so you would think I'd have seen it. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson. Mark Wahlberg plays an up-and-coming porn star. Burt Reynolds is in it, maybe as an old porn star. Um, uh, Heather, not Heather yeah. Locklear, what's her name? Heather Graham's in it, I think. Yep, Heather Graham. Also, from, presumably, is a porn star. And he's got a big willy, he's called Dirt Diggler, and I think it gets sad. But other than that, I don't <laughs> know gets... much. Yeah. Louis Guzman yeah. is in it, because he mentions that in Community. Billy <laughs> Seymour mentioned. Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman's obviously in it, yeah. It's a um, great cast, isn't it? Yeah, so I'm I'm totally 100% on board to really love this film. So it, this is a really good excuse to watch it twice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, well, that was The Shining. Ben. That was The Shining. Next week, Boogie Nights. Hugh, yeah. if, if our listeners want to get in touch with us and, uh, you know, be annoyed at the fact that you didn't love it, how can they get in touch? 
Well, they can go find themselves an Indian burial ground, <laughs> make a mail department, or set up a rudimentary computer that has email, and they can send that out to me. Um, or if they've got telepathic abilities, they can just be. <laughs> If you've got telekinetic abilities, they can send a letter to me through the air, you know, physically, and I'll catch it in my hand. Um, but more to the point, if they've got email, what's the email address? Yeah, so failing that, it's uh, pod at gmail.com. And where can they find us on the interwebs, Sam? On the interwebs, you can find us on Twitter at pleasewatchpod. You can also finally now find us on Facebook, Ooh. also called please watch this or at please watch pod. So we are on some of the socials. It's been well, fun. Ben, thank you so much for being a part of this. You are welcome back anytime. Thank you for inviting me. It's been, it's been good fun. Yeah. We're definitely going to get you on again. Yeah. <laughs> great insight films and another voice is always uh, welcome. So it's, it's been some having little in jokes with ourselves about it. So. <laughs> yeah, just stop that. Well, guys, uh, it was great. Listeners, we'll see you next time. Yep, bye. Love you all. Bye.